Welcome to Season 3 of Voices of Value, where Rick Rushton and Peter Kakos continue their conversations with high-achieving guests who share their personal stories and, more importantly, the lessons they've learned from their journey. Whether it's Olympians sharing the roadmap that took them to a gold medal, professional sports people taking you inside their mindset, business leaders revealing their success strategies, or everyday people sharing life hacks, you can be sure you'll find value simply by joining the discussion with your hosts, Peter and Rick. Hi, and welcome to another episode of Voices of Value. It's Peter Kakos here with my good friend, Rick Rushton. Ricky, it's, uh, gee, it's been a little bit of a hiatus, but we are back with someone incredibly special. Oh, my word, we do, Pete. What a great thrill it is for us to share the microphone today with the wonderful and talented Robin Moore, someone who has dedicated more than four decades of her life to educating people, whether that be one-on-one or mass audiences from the conference platform. She is one of the most recognisable voices in Australasia, having come into living rooms and across the airwaves with voiceover work for also more than four decades. But I think it's the 25-year-plus in-demand public speaking career that we really want to delve deeper into today with Robin because before COVID lockdowns, you know, Robin was averaging about 180 flights a year, Pete, from her home base there in the beautiful Apple Isle of Tasmania. And it's fair to say that her methodology had to change and she had to realistically do that via technology when we were restricted to living out of our studies and or homes. And now that the borders are back open, Robin gets to share in room as opposed to on Zoom, her real life passion, which is the power of the word. We're gonna to talk to her about that, also share a little bit about her amazing work with Make-A-Wish Foundation. She is now someone who's gone from doing hybrid events, technological events to back in room, and she's with us today, Pete, and what a great joy it is to welcome the wonderful Robin Moore. Well, thank you very much, Rick and Peter. I think our time is up and it's been lovely to be <laughs> Yeah, it's not, and it's not the first time that's been used. Uh, yeah. Thank you, Robin. Oh, here not week. original. Gosh. So no, I, no. I'm <laughs> going to need to have a chat with Ricky actually about these intros because he gets really excited. Uh, but look, mm. uh, well, you know, well earned too. We're, in all due respect, it's uh, it's wonderful to have you here, Robin. And Rick and I, um, I think one of the first times that we saw you was some 12 years ago on stage, and. Let's just say you were remarkable and it's um, your name has come up so often as someone we should definitely get on this program because Thank you've you. got so much to share and just, I just love your zest for life and, and, and just this person you are. You've done so much, you've given so much, which we'll, um, we'll get into all of that today. So Robin. Welcome. Thank you very much. Thank you, Peter and, and Rick. It, it's a joy to be here because I mean, the three of us all share this possibility of humanity and being the best of ourselves. So we're sort of in a club, aren't we? A club of loving our being. And, well, um, think- and that's all I do. I mean, that's, I'm so blessed to be a speaker and to virtually take people inside themselves for a little walk around their body and their mind and their spirit so they can check in on themselves. And I use very powerful stories to do that, stories from my own life and stories that have touched me. So uh, I I had a a lovely testimonial from somebody at Westpac recently, a bank manager who said, it must be wonderful to be able to do what you do. And I thought, isn't it sad that, you know, we don't all um, have that ability. You know, a bank manager of all people 
in in the olden days, you know, was highly regarded and highly respected. And now um, things have changed. And he was sort of longing to have that ability to uh, enter into people's lives. And I thought, surely, you know, that's what your job involves anyway, to enhance people's lives. Well, for those who don't know you, and I can't believe there'd be many who don't know you, but perhaps for those who are just meeting you for the very first time, your story dates back. Uh, it's, a, it's a wonderful story about your you know, early childhood growing up with your father, who was very transient in his uh, job uh, working the land you know, from as far north as Queensland into your home state of Tasmania and yeah. just about all parts in between. Just give us the Robin Moore journey that leads us to the ability that we feel very special that we've got public speaking, motivational speaking royalty uh, with us at the moment. But for the uninitiated, what's the Robin Moore story for them to get that same sense that Peter and I have? Well, uh, I mean, it was a charmed life because my dad was a little adventurer and um, he ran away from home when he was 13 and lived in a, in a little little hut in the bush and I wanted to be a, a, a jockey, but he loved his food too much. And uh, so he became a stockman and a shearer's chef. Now, isn't that clever? You see, you get the horses and the food. And uh, he and mum travelled all around the country on their honeymoon. They actually hitchhiked around Australia and then worked on sheep and cattle stations uh, on yeah, a property called Tyree Torrens Creek was the furthest north. Um, I went and uh, I had my early years there. So they helped frame this spirit of adventure and the ability to um, have a, an imagination that doesn't have any boundaries because you have to make your own fun when you're in the outback. And um, my lessons came every week in a truck and mum was my teacher and uh, all the lessons were done by lunchtime. So I would then become sort of a warrior woman and just run barefoot, you know, around this property. And mum said all my toys had voices and I'd sit them in a circle and I'd um, ask them questions. And if they got the answer wrong, I'd smash them with a ruler. <laughs> I, obviously, see, I became a teacher. <laughs> all of the foundations are there. They're, they're there in your early years, aren't they? So a teacher, a voiceover artist, and a speaker. And in fact, uh, mum said that I, I took an apple box and made it into a, a little switchboard. And I'd say, hello, New York, can you hear me? Can you hear me? And I was trying to talk to the world from the outback. So it's, uh, it's just beautiful to look back and go, wow, this has all been, you know, explored. And, um, and here I am today. You know, and do you think, Robin, that do you think do you think, Robin, that uh, in today's day and age, where kids have got to be entertained almost twenty four seven, that they miss that gift of space to create some imaginative sort of uh, development and to find different ways to entertain themselves rather than the digital with their thumbs, but uh, use their creativity with their brain? Is that is that something you sort of lament for this uh, you know generation next? Look, I, I think it's there in, in other arenas, but I do lament the fact that um, Black Mirror, you know, the Black Mirror has um, stifled some areas of creativity. Now, it is expressed in other areas that I'm not familiar with because, you know, I'm 70 <laughs> now, I'm 70 now, and IT kind of challenges me. Um, so uh, there is creativity there. But um, I never allowed my two sons to say I'm bored. You know, that was just banned, that word in our home. And it was, uh, you know, you go and find something to, you know, stimulate your imagination. Go and read, go and have a sleep, go and, 
you know, look at nature, go just find something. There's this life out there. So um, my, my um, challenge is to, um, you know, express who I was as a little child out there in the world and to invite people into the best of themselves so that they can, um, you know, find that wonderment that's just apparent. Mm. Robin, just for those who are those listeners out there who are thinking, gee, I, the, the voice sounds a little familiar. Um, <laughs> do you want to just um, just ease into some other voices that they might find even more familiar from Robin Moore? Well, as a voiceover artist, every time I open this hole in my face, <laughs> I get words to come out through that hole, out through a microphone, out through a speaker, into your ears, eyes, minds, hearts and spirits. So I've got 30 seconds to change your mind, you know, 30 seconds to uh, get you to buy stuff, get you to be informed, you know, get you to be stimulated, get you to uh, you know, imagine all sorts of things. So um, you may uh, have you know, I've been tempted to buy some Tim Tam biscuits with me sounding like this. New Tim Tam double coat is a little <laughs> bit heavier. And you remember the woman and she sort of missed her mouth and, and hit, hit her chin with a Tim Tam <laughs> because it had so much chocolate in it. Um, you know me from the spray and wipe commercial. Got a call from Sue's our daughter. Something had distraught her. The wedding place in town had just been to the ground. I mean, I know it's nauseating and you want to stick pins in your eyes, but um, it's sold millions of dollars worth of products over 18 years. Fantastic. Uh, so that's, you know, and if, you've, you know, if you're 36 years of age or younger, I probably babysat you uh, in Yoram Gross's cartoons sounding like this. G'day, my name is Blanky Bill and I'm Australia's most mischievous koala and my favourite word in the whole wide world is extraordinary. <laughs> I know that's a mental health issue now, isn't it? So, <laughs> you know, but the, these characters, um, it's given me entry, you know, in, into people's lives and there's a familiarity. So, you know, it only takes me a couple of seconds on stage to actually, uh, you know, tell people about that. And then we're connected because uh, a lot of those voices resonate, you know, they bought that product yeah. or you know, people, young people cry um, when they hear Blinky Bill because it's not an inconsequential little character. Uh, Blinky Bill's taught me the power of the word to heal. And so um, over many, many years I've been making phone calls. I've made thousands of phone calls to um, our Make-A-Wish children who love Blinky Bill because I've been a volunteer for 28 years and um, I'm national patron of Make-A-Wish. And, you know, if you find that a child loves Blinky, I can phone them and their health improves after the phone call. Incredible. And I get letters from parents saying, you know, my child's lung function increased dramatically after that phone call. Um, wow. so and you've actually had a clinical yeah. response to that too, haven't you, where the sense that the, you know, the parent takes their child... Uh, after having an interaction with Blinky Bill the day before, the mm. next medical sort of consultation, the doctor says, what have you done with her? She has now got better ability to breathe. And, uh, mm. you know, the question, I guess, has to be asked, how much of that is that human connection that you're so passionate about, Robert? And you, I like the way, Pete, that Robin glossed over, you know, I've been part of the Make-A-Wish Fair. Well, the early entry was 1992. She's now in the Hall of Fame for the Make-A-Wish, not just in Australia, but obviously internationally in changing lives. And that work with children specifically, Robin, that, that story sort of, and I knew that story uh, many years ago mm -hmm. before I even met you, that, that, must, that must give you a sense of 
you know, real understanding that, that words matter, that words make a difference, that words change worlds. Absolutely. Um, we have so much power to empower other people when we have the right intent. I mean, if you're just, you know, sleepwalking through your life, you're going to miss all of these opportunities. I mean, I have a, a rule that I'm going to be, and this is my purpose, to be an irresistible invitation to fully participate in life. It's just 10 words. Now, I'm committed to being that in every interaction. You know, if I'm buying a sandwich, I'm polite, I'm respectful, I'm grateful. I look into people's eyes. It's so easy. It must be really hard to be rude and, uh, and thoughtless and disrespectful. It takes a lot of energy. Whereas if you have that intent in place, miracles show up. I mean, Blinky has called... Uh, suicidal teenagers and they've said afterwards they didn't want to take their life after the phone call because I am pumping pumping messages into that into that you know my voice through my spirit into the child and it translates into sometimes strangers running up to me in the street and hugging me and I don't know who they are but I'll hug back and the, you know teen, this young adult will say you used to call me when I was a teenager and suicidal um, and I don't know, you know, I didn't know what they looked like physically. It was a phone call. Mm-hmm. Um, mm. you know, that we all have that power, you know, instead yeah. of being rude to people on the phone, um, you can enhance their life. You can give them value, meaning, purpose. It's so easy. Take I love care. the way you say that, you know, it, it takes so much more energy to, to be negative, to be angry mm. or whatever it may be. Um, I, I think that's where there's been so much talk about gratitude uh, these days and how it's impossible to feel anything else if you feel grateful for something. Yeah. And what you've been able to do is, is provide so much to many um, by the way of stories. And that's where I want to head now and, and talk about the stories that you share because it's a, it's a great way for people to understand, to feel and to yeah. evoke that emotion from them. Um, what are some of your favourites? What are the ones that you've found from from the stage that that have had the most impact? Do you feel um, some of these stories are? Well, my stories change all the time. I'm like a snowball. I'm 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 collecting stories every day, and uh, I have a rule: whatever makes me laugh or cry or be challenged or moved. Um, then if that happened to me, then retelling that will um, have that happen in somebody else. So I'm constantly collecting stories to share and each talk I give is tailored exclusively for that audience. I might repeat some stories that are just real corkers that, you know, are the, are the best ones I've found to get across that philosophical point. But uh, it's, a, it's a moving feast. Mm. And um, I remember... Um, you know, when you're present on stage, and, and you, you understand this, if your attention is on yourself, go home. Don't be a speaker. You have to have your attention on the audience. And one day I was in Launceston and um, I was talking to the parents in the room, hundreds of parents, and I said, you know, it's, uh, you've got to, um, you know, watch how you speak, how you speak your child. I said, a little Billy, aged four, was asked, what is love? And he said, when someone loves you, the way they say your name is different, you know, you just know that your name is safe in their mouth. (laughs) 
isn't that just so beautiful? So yeah. I was, I was, you know, talking about them speaking their children. You know, my two sons, I speak them into existence. I speak them mag magnificently. I don't say, oh yes, you know, if it wasn't for him, I'd have a life. You know, and you can hear people vomit all over their children. <laughs> so here I am with these with these lovely adults, and um, I said, you know, uh, Dickens had a lovely quote. It is no small miracle that one so fresh from God loves us. And I had this image just come into my mind of a teenager screaming into a, a father's face. And I laughed and I said to the audience, well, that would be a hard quote to remember if you had a teenager screaming into your face. And I, <laughs> I thought, what, what, what's all that about? Anyway, I went on. And at the end, a dad came up to me in tears and he said, um, my, my teenager was screaming into my face this morning and I threw him out of our house. And he said, I'm going to drive around now and see if I can find him to welcome him home. Mm. Um, you know, so when you're present to your audience, these lovely graces and gifts come up too so that we are just being with each other. And, and that's why, I mean, I don't take speaking lightly. It is such a privilege that people listen to me and to you. You know, it's just such a privilege. It's not a privilege that they get to hear you. It's that they listen to us. Mm. Um, and you've got this, these moments, these precious seconds, you know, and every time I speak, and Rick, you've seen me do this so many times, I, I count the seconds and I say, here they are, they're gorgeous, gorgeous golden, delicious hours and gone. And I was doing this the other day at the Rotary Conference uh, in Tasmania, but they were the Rotary Conference seconds. You know, and here we are in this podcast and they're the podcast seconds, doing it at Uluru once and they were the Uluru seconds. And people miss them. And they say, oh, God, if it wasn't, you know, if it wasn't for you, I'd have a life, as I said, you know, and um, I wish I wasn't at work and I think that you are. <laughs> <laughs> they, they miss these. And so when you're turning up on stage with your audience, this amazing interaction happens. And I think that's why you know, I've been a speaker for 25 plus years now, because these interactions are not diminished over the years. They're becoming stronger and more powerful and the results are uh, more long lasting. But you've been an educator for more than four decades, Robin, with your yeah. ability to communicate, connect, and help people find the best versions of themselves mm -hmm. through that interaction. I think you and I both, know that there's speakers across so many topics across there you can get a speaker at the speed of click yeah i didn't get an authentic educator well now you've got something that's going to make a major impact and the thing i love about you is you have a fresh way of selling old fundamentals if that's the right way of saying it. but you don't, yeah. you don't sell anybody anything you you give them a chance you create the space for them to buy the better version of what they know is inherently inside them anyway yeah. but someone's told them differently and maybe they lost that creativity or they lost that spark and you just help them join the dots this is my this is my belief of you anyway and i'd love mm. your thoughts on it but i think you just help people join the dots by giving them a create creative and space you know to join those dots together and help them a little bit along the way with just really good fundamentals. And it frustrates me, Pete, when I hear modern speakers grabbing 
these concepts and trying to own them. And I feel like going really like seriously, but anyway, let's not turn this negative because we wanted to talk about the positive, but how much would you agree with that fact that the elite educators, whether they be speakers, trainers, coaches, uh, politicians, whatever, those that are authentic and those that are genuinely who they are sharing what they know and how they believe it can enhance your life, uh, certainly in high demand still in 2021, hence why you're still in demand as a speaker, you know, into the uh, the age bracket that you are, if I could say that nicely. <laughs> yeah, well, as you say, there's nothing new in what I'm saying. I mean, my husband's a philosopher and and uh, I'll tell him a story and say, isn't that a great way to get across that distinction? And he'll say, yes, yes it's reading about a monk, you know, back in, you know, 200. <laughs> and then, yes, he said the very same thing in a cave, you know. <laughs> we were so arrogant nowadays. We think we've invented the wheel. Um, but it's that power to get people to get it. You see, uh, the, the thing you said at the beginning that I was a motivational speaker, I in America I might call myself that, but in yeah. Australia I don't because it kind of implies, well, you suck and here's this person to fix you up. So we're rather cynical about the word motivational speaker. You know, I call myself a reminder And it's all those years, 48 years as a voiceover artist that has trained me to get the message across so succinctly because I only have 30 seconds in an ad. And so that's my challenge to to get that into people's mind, but embed it down all right into their spirit, into their heart and their guts so that they get it experientially. So I, you know, now have this little motto, um, you know, it's beyond informed to transformed. Because a lot of speakers inform. You know, I heard somebody speaking the other day about kindness and it was graphs about kindness and it was statistics <laughs> on kindness. And it was like, oh, just tell me a story about kindness that's going to make me cry or be moved or challenged. But um, <laughs> so the three rules in advertising are keep it simple, make it memorable, evoke an emotional response. And we just had an example of it. I watched the news this morning and um, our ad campaign has cost $40 million to encourage people to have their vaccinations, but people aren't taking up this offer. In New Zealand, they are because they understand those rules, simple, memorable, evoke an emotional response. Their ads are so funny and so powerful. In fact, there's a beautiful moment where I, I sort of did an intake of breath where there's two beautiful teenagers, Maoris, um, rubbing noses and saying, take that, COVID. <laughs> Do that, take that, COVID. Mm. And, and I was speaking over in New Zealand a couple of years ago and um, before COVID and um, uh, working with a, a Maori client and she was saying that, you know, it's not just the rubbing of the nose. This is this, is this moment where you inhale, you exchange each other's breath. So that's such a powerful image. Take that, COVID, you know, with the breath and all the dangers, you know, that connected with breathing on each other. Mm. I mean, that's what we need in Australia, but nobody seems to understand those rules. So on stage, I've got a, a finite, you know, period of time with this audience and I have to find a way to get this notion from the head down into the guts, as I say. I mean, I could stand up there and go, this is your life. <laughs> Isn't that wonderful? Be the best of yourself. 
you know. I mean, we can do all of that and there's lots of books, you know, that say the same thing. I remember years ago before I did any work on myself, I've done a lot of self-examination um, since I was 38. And, and that's, you know, paid dividends because it's enabled me to share my um, shortcomings and my learnings with an audience and be really authentic about that. But uh, I remember reading the book, um, gosh, I can't even think what it was called. Um, and I said to my husband, oh, if, if only everybody read this book. You know, so, I mean, here I was not even getting what was in the book. I wanted other people to be better. So, you know, we have to be self-aware to, um, you know, understand these distinctions. So my job is to make them more self-aware so that they can examine who they're being as parents, as, you know, as bosses, as colleagues, as, you know, community citizens, as leaders. In fact, I, I was in Ireland a few years ago and I was ambushed in a radio interview. It was quite frightening. I thought I was going to be interviewed by one uh, announcer. When I got in there, there was a panel and they just turned on me because I was this Australian speaker coming to speak to Irish rural women, 500 Irish farming women. And um, this woman said to me, and what, what do you think a woman from Australia, what can you do to change the lives of Irish men? You know, what do you think you can do? And I said, oh, it's a really great question. Um, I said, I was just working with a real estate group in uh, Brisbane. I said, and the testimonial just came back and my client said, you know when a speaker has hit the target, when you go to the urinal and you're standing there with men, some peeing, some crying, and all saying, I'm going to be a better father, a better husband, a better man. And she burst into tears on air. And I thought, you know, I haven't got time in my life to fart around when she's stuck, she's stuck in that untruth. And I had to declare why I was there, who I'm going to be, this is what I'm going to give to these rural women. And I'm going to give it to you too. Um, you know, so there's those moments in life where you've got to um, be a leader and stand with both feet on the floor and just say what you have to say through this hole in your face in a way that people get it. Mm. And once they get it, they can't unget it. You'll get a little yeah. bit of plaque on top, but it's, you know, it's a distinction. A distinction is something that stands out from something else. And I think the other thing is, yeah, I agree with you. I don't actually ever think of you as a motivational speaker, even though that's how you're titled and labelled and branded sometimes, not by your own choosing, but if someone was to Google, you know, your name, it would come up with motivational speaker, yeah. voiceover scenario. My view with motivation is a bit like a warm bath. Eventually it goes cold. If you don't have the education to turn on the hot tap, you know, your job is always, as I've ever known you, Robin, is always to be, to give people the resources to help them become more resourceful, to be a better version of themselves. So I'm with all, with that. Pete, I know you'd be wanting to jump in. How many times have you heard the word distinction, which is obviously one of Robin's real go-tos. I know it's one of your absolute go-tos about, you know, if we can just quality control our I mean, I love the fact that, you know, kindness is not a KPI. Like, I just, who is coming up with that? For goodness sake, tell me a story about it. I love it. But your views on all that, Pete? I, I was just thinking that it's so interesting that, that there's a lot of weather reporters around at the moment and people love to comment on things and make observations and help others before actually looking internally and, 
and helping oneself. And I, I, I just love the way, Robin, you are just constantly about breaking down people's barriers to teaching them to, or even observing in their own thoughts and minds and beliefs and just to how to, how to sort of think differently. But importantly, though, just getting back to these breaking down of barriers, um, is that where you'd say that the, that directness um, would, would come from, from yourself and that empathy? How, do you, is that an innate uh, part of who you are? For those who, who don't have that ability to do that quickly and they're faced with, you know, lots of different um, diversions and, um, uh, you know, challenges in their lives, mm-hmm. what, how, how are people sort of, I mean, what are your observations on people like that and, and, and how you would help others and, and how you get them to think differently? Um, again, it gets back to the you know, same sort of words. Everything gets back to just single words. For me, it's not um, strategies and things like that. It's who are you, what's your purpose, the why, you know, and, and how are you being and who are you being um, and, and intent again. I mean, if you don't have those things in place, you're um, a bit like a quote from Alice in Wonderland, if you don't know where you're going, any road will take you there. Mm. And um, it's just kind of like a, a bowl of spaghetti, you know, and you're kind of just meandering through your life. Whereas if you get those things um, nailed down, those really important fundamental ways of being, um, then everything seems to be easier, I find. I mean, I just participated in a six-month wisdom course um, and for my own you know, personal growth and development. And one of the most beautiful moments, and it still, it still moves me, was um, when we were asked the question, what could I give my life to? And it was the answers just came. Was, I could hear the sound of the wind. They, were, they were just, just came to me, you know, and it was love, my faith. All is well. If I can be accepting and that all is well. Now, that's a, that's a hard distinction because you'll say, all is well, what, poverty and war and, you know, COVID and all of that. Now, given, given the way we behave as humans, Given the choices we make, yep, it's all working pretty well at the moment. <laughs> you know, all is well. So that calm in the face of adversity, that calm in the face of a crisis is, is bound up in that distinction. Um, mm. And the last one was my purpose. So it was love, my faith, all is well, my purpose. Every day when I wake up, I claim those again. I say, what can I give my life to? And actually made a little bracelet with um, the words on a bracelet. I haven't got it on at the moment. But if I'm in a shop, you know, and paying for something, people will often say, oh, oh, what's that? You know, and I say, oh, it's the answer to the question, what could I give my life to? And they go, oh. <laughs> <laughs> and then and yeah. you just leave, you know, having been respectful and honoured this person. And it's so lovely. You just leave them in this space of contemplation. Robin, how many, pe- how many people do you think are not being true to oneself? Not, not literally how many people, but um, maybe just some percentages. Uh, how many <laughs> people are not being true to themselves and, and, and therefore not doing what they love? Is that something you often see or hear or speak to people about or part of your audiences? 
Um, do you think there's a high percentage out there in the general public? Yeah, there's people being buried today and on their headstone it has died with potential intact. Mm. You know, and that's really sad. And I say that to some of my student audiences and I say, you know, don't die with your potential intact. Um, but I know the two ways of being because I spent a large part of my early life being a human reacting. Oh, I had no self-awareness. I didn't know what being was about. I was stuff would happen and I'd just react to it. And I go, oh, I just always do that. You know, oh, that's, I don't know. I just didn't think too deeply about that. And my husband faces this all the time as a philosopher when he says something that is deeply meaningful for him, people will go white and then they'll go, geez, that's deep. <laughs> and, it's, and it's not. It's really it's not. not. It's just a really lovely philosophical question, you know. <laughs> um, so I, I think that there's a call to action that we, we, we need to actually put out there, and that is to examine one's life. And, um, you know, um, I think it was Helen Keller said, an unexamined life is no life at all. And um, to sit down and to examine your life. Why did I do that? What matters to me? Who am I being? All those big fundamental questions. Um, but we like to fill that space with noise and <laughs> podcasts. Sorry, sorry, guys. <laughs> you know, but noise, we fill, we fill those spaces with clutter and, um, and we, don't, we don't contemplate those sorts of things. And we've just moved down to the country in, in Tassie, back to my nan's thinking paddock which is beautiful. And my brother-in-law just came down for a week and left Melbourne where he was very stressed. And uh, we watched the stress just totally diminish. And he said, wow, you just live in the now down here. Because we were just noticing every bird, the sea eagle that would just fly past and just sometimes hover. And um, the wind, the changes in the weather, those sorts of things um, were lovely. And, uh, and he got to now have a sip to taste, to savour <laughs> some of that away from the hustle and the bustle. But, you know, you can find the peace in, in a busy city. You can, you can find it within. And I'm a great fan of meditation. I think that we should have five minutes at the start of school for all students so that it becomes a habit and, and they know what that stillness is, you know, so that when you're in a crisis, um, you know, you can find that stillness and that um, the rigour and that clarity. Mm. And Robin, so, you know, when I hear you talking about the absolute power and clarity of why and purpose, and, you know, I know you've been, you know, very much passionate about that for the majority of your professional life. Mm. And then we think of someone like Simon Sinek, who's had, you know, millions of views of his TED Talk, really just repackaging that old fundamental um, What's your thoughts today about life coaches and uh, I'm not saying that Simon Sinek's, you know, bad by any stretch of the imagination. Mm. He's got a, a great way of, you know, repackaging an old fundamental. But what's your views today on someone who has got some sort of a track record for a minute and all of a sudden they're a life coach? What does that, what does that mean to you when you hear those words? Mm. Um, well, it's funny that every time I get an inquiry now for LinkedIn, you know, I'll go, oh, inquiry for LinkedIn. And I'll see, and, and it's another life coach. And the next one's a life coach. And the next one's a life coach. And it's like, 
I think Australia has more speakers and sort of life coaches per head of population than any other country <laughs> in the world. And what I look for is con congruence, you know, congruence. Um, the top of your hand and the bottom of your hand moving at the same same time because uh, if you're not being uh, your your words, you're speaking the distinctions that you're sharing with an audience. If you're not being that, then there's no integrity. Mm. And the word integrity means being whole and complete, nothing left unsaid. We mm. think integrity means telling the truth or something, but it's a it's a much bigger concept than mm. that. And um, that's always my test um, for somebody, you know, who says that they're a life coach and finding out about some of the, you know, what's happening in their life. Um, you know, if they've been married eight times, not <laughs> done really swing with me. <laughs> maybe, maybe the word swing was a little inappropriate then. Oh, I get it. <laughs> but, but I see what you've done there. I see what you've done yeah. there. I, I joined those dots too. I joined those dots too, people. I think the other thing, Robin, that is really, um, you know, for those who uh, are getting a taste of Robin in this, um, you know, very uplifting interview, it won't take you more than three clicks on the good old internet to find some real good, solid, uh, you know, educational opportunities to connect with her. And, you know, the thing about Robin is she's time tested. These, these things date, you know, virtually uh, her whole life and, you know, there's stories from her whole life. And I think the most congruent thing I can say about you is you are a force for creativity. You are uh, someone who loves helping others find the best of themselves and you do that with countless i think it's i think the last numbers i saw on you were about you know post you know probably not through COVID, but you know you you'll be speaking to 40 50 000 people a year yet the most important thing i think is i love the way that you can use alice in wonderland to make a phrase when how would actually quote seneca probably <laughs> exactly. same quote. i love the way that you know you can you can give blinky bill words of wisdom and he'd probably quote marcus aurelius or one of the other stoics as a philosopher mm -hmm. and that's all great but your two sons which i don't know if we've even got permission to to go there but just for our listening audience you have two of the most amazing creative uh, uh sons who have um, you know, gone and taken their talent to the full extreme across totally different industries. I mean, to have uh, a son who's uh, done something quite exceptional, you know, a graduate of NIDA, uh, which is obviously uh, a feather in his own cap for a start, but to be a, an actor who's been in solid work for more than a decade puts him in the 0.001% of that industry, I would have thought. Yes. Um, but your, your son, um, you know, who lives part-time in... Australia, more often than not in America when COVID doesn't sort of challenge us there. And obviously with his um, his beautiful wife, Michelle, and they're, they're in Australia because, of course, they were able to do an, uh, you know, a mini-series for SBS. I don't know how much of this we're allowed to share. And we can edit it out. But, and Daniel, and so you've got, uh, what I'm saying is you've got a son who is a, an in-work actor, in-demand actor. You've got uh, another son who uh, is designing the actual property that you're, you know, your nan's sort of, you know, thinking paddock and uh, having that sort of opportunity and for, for him and Kirsten to be, you know, such an important part of your and hell's life i mean you have two very creative sons one's an architect one's uh, a world-class actor they're both world-class individuals um i guess this testament is what i'm trying to say pete to the fact that robin doesn't just talk the talk she walks the walk as well and creates that that space for everyone finding the better versions of themselves starting with her own children which i think is important 
Look, that was a, a very long-winded saying, Robin, that you're, um, the apple doesn't fall far from the tree. There you go. Well, I was going to say the diamond doesn't fall too far from the cluster, but you pick apples, I'll take diamonds. It's either way, we've got it right. <laughs> well, you know, um, when I graduated from Teachers College in Hobart, my favourite lecturer said, you'll know when you're a good parent, a good teacher, a good leader, if you can say, I didn't stop them. And I, and I give that advice to parents. It's watch for their bliss. Where is their bliss when they're little? And then don't stop it. You know, just open up those doors. Even if you think, oh, God, they'll never be employed with that. I mean, Toby, when he was four, the, the actor is Toby Leonard Moore. And he, at four in kindergarten, was um, he played the part of a tree. And it was so, such an earnest tree. And a mother came up to me and she said, oh, I'm such a bad mother, I forgot to watch my own child. And I said, what were you doing? And she said, I was watching your tree. Because <laughs> he was committed, you know. And so don't stop him. Don't get in the way of that. And, and Daniel, when he was six, I mean, he had an exercise book where he designed hotels <laughs> um, where the parents were taken into one room and the children could swing on ropes and stuff in the foyer. Um, and now he's an award-winning architect. And they both do voiceovers. I mean, that's because they've seen their mum being joyous when I came home from mm. the session. Go, You'll never guess what happened today. Oh, we did this great thing in Blinky or, you know, and how green was my cactus, which we've just done uh, 33 years, over 7,000 episodes on radio. Um, sending up the government. Now, that has given people, particularly in regional Australia, a daily laugh. And I've got testimonial letters from farmers saying, if it wasn't for that two and a half minutes of humour where I could just sit in my tractor out in a paddock, the unthinkable might happen. <laughs> you know, so but they're, they're in that world. And Daniel, the younger one, he does, he does improv in Melbourne. I mean... They're just fully self-expressed. And um, that's the best thing you can say as a parent is you just didn't stop them. Watch mm. for their bliss. I just absolutely love that. Watch for their bliss. That's, um, well, you're, you're developing the next Spider-Man, Pete, let's be honest. Yeah, well, that's right. I was just actually, funny you should say that, I was actually just thinking of your gorgeous daughter, Rick, and, um, and every time you post of her on her horse and you just look at look into her eyes, you can see that expression on her face. That That uh -huh. is... Mm. undoubtedly uh amelia's bliss right there so um robin it must be incredible to continue to have such an impact on people's lives um you know from whether they're you know tiny little people to to big people it's but just to continually just i don't know you've just got this innate ability to tune in and just show so much compassion for for others and there's, it's frightening to just think of and, and, and just a few of the things you've said. It's like, well, how many lives have you saved? It just, it just gets me thinking that just by you reaching out or your voice or just your, just your demeanour and who you are, I think it's just amazing. It's just been a real gift to have you on our show because as Rick and I want to do is our purpose is to bring voices of value to the airwaves and it's not just another podcast. <laughs> it's uh, <laughs> just bring it to the... Uh, and just to share stories like this. Um, and as we wind up, what, what, the last thing I'd, I'd, I would love to hear from you is a little bit more about your charity work. And I know you're so passionate about that and you do some wonderful things. And um, just a little bit about that in, in, in closing from Robin Moore, because 
you know, you're an incredible person and, um, and this is something else, you know, another string to your bow and yet another thing where you are helping to shape and change and just create a real difference in people's lives. Well, thanks, Pete. Thanks for mentioning the charities because um, I don't know when this is going to be broadcast, but um, right now in these seconds, it's uh, National Volunteer Week. So um, we're all celebrating the magnificent contribution of all volunteers. And this country is just such a generous country and all of our people, we have the highest rate of volunteerism uh, in the world, I think, per head of population. And um, so I honor all volunteers this week and um, being part of Make-A-Wish, you know, it's, ah, it's such a meaningful charity for me. In fact, all volunteers, you get back a hundred times what you give, but Make-A-Wish constantly reminds me of what matters in life. You know, imagine sort of uh, families waking up one day and being told that their child has a critical illness and we get to um, enhance children's lives by giving them their precious wish. And we call it a living wish, not a dying wish, because the way we design our wishes, um, we actually have the child looking forward to the wish. Our middle phase is the anticipation phase. So instead of just giving a child a puppy, we give them a kennel to build and we give them maps of puppy walks and we give them you know, a chance to go and buy accessories in a pet shop and so that they're looking forward to and this helps our children respond better to treatment and uh, be brave and strong. One little boy Sam used to need his mum uh, to go everywhere with him to the doctor's treatment and um, he went on a trip as a Captain Sam with Qantas and the next time he had to have his treatment he said mum I'm all right I can go by myself. You know, so we've got miraculous, you know, things happen in Make-A-Wish and we make the impossible possible. And in fact, they, the children were my inspiration when I, um, I had breast cancer 10 years ago. And that's why I'm a, a national ambassador for Dragons of Breast Australia. And it was a list that I kept with me from little Emily was a whole page of procedures that this little five-year-old girl had in her, you know, a few thousand days of life. Um, and uh, she came through her illness and got her wish. But I mean, my, my illness was nothing next to hers. So she was my inspiration. So, um, you know, I urge everybody, if you've you know, ever thought of being a volunteer, just look, find your bliss again. It has to relate to something you care about deeply. If you love animals, look up the RSPCA or wildlife rescue or something. If it's children, if it's aged care, if it's, I don't know, any, anything that just floats your boat, you know, have a look at becoming a volunteer. Well, Emily and Sam are just uh, two examples there of some of your got it moments. And you've had so many great got it moments from the contribution you've made to those particular uh, foundations, whether that be Make-A-Wish, whether that be you know the Australia Day Foundation that you're so passionate about as well. If we went through all the actual um, you know, charities and or non-for-profits that you actually give of yourself to, we would have run out of time to hear about some of the amazing stories. What I heard in that interview, Pete, was, you know, obviously it's very clear to me that Toby Leonard Moore and obviously Daniel and, um, you know, Robin, I, I think Hal lets down the family. It's just being a philosopher. <laughs> I need... I need Hal to step it up. Is what I need you to do there, Robin. I think he needs to get a bit more. I don't think he needs to get deeper in his life. No, I need he's him. The rock. I need to, yeah, he's well, the rock that holds us together, and he's he? really quiet. We and we are. Yeah, I used to think we were opposites, 
And, um, and I actually had to marry my husband again 17 years into our marriage because I just said, oh, we are so different. We are opposites. And um, I had a, an epiphany um, and realised that we were uh, complementary and um, just fit together beautifully. And so I asked him if I could marry him again. And I made, oh. I made two extra promises. Yeah. Uh, the first promise, um, and it was just in front of our, our sons. They were only six and three at the time, and I thought they were going to wet their pants. They were so excited. <laughs> and um, I, the first one was um, I promised never to know him, and I threw away all of my expectations for my lovely husband. And so, you know, we had lists nowadays. It's like tick, tick, cross, cross, tick, cross, tick, cross, 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 tick, cross. And some days we're in love and some days we're out of love. We're trying to get all of those ticks and, um, and then we fall out of love and we wonder what happened. Um, so every day something new pops up where I go, oh, my God, I didn't think he would say that. Oh, is that lovely? That's my hell surprise for today. And the other <laughs> promise was to love him as he is and love him as he isn't. Now, it's easy to love somebody as they are but not as they're not. Mm. And uh, mm. I mean, Hal reads 10 books a week. I'm a farm girl. You know, I'd be thinking, get off the couch. Can't you think of something else to do? You know, you could be crutching the sheep if we had sheep. Uh, that's my grandmother would say, you'd be crutching the sheep. Um, and now, now I've had this, this shift, this transformation. If he's reading, you know, one of his 10 books, I say, you turn that page really slowly, darling, because I don't want you to pull a muscle. <laughs> <laughs> because what I see now is he cares so much about the world that he's managing that for our family. He's informed, he's knowledgeable, he's deeply contemplative. He's, ah, oh, should be more people like him. Well, what he does oh, is, I know, I know you talk about your work specifically with Make-A-Wishes, making the impossible possible, but I think what Hal does with your family is he takes the ordinary and he makes it extraordinary because he gives a modern day you know, spin on what are, you know, sometimes two, three, four thousand, six thousand year old philosophical fundamentals. And I think that's, uh, I, I do like ribbing uh, when I look at that wonderful, talented family. And I, I know that he's extra special to you, Robin. It's been an absolute gift for us. It really has. I I just think of some of the ways you've articulated. I, I'm going to have to listen to this. I, I suspect oh. back three, four times. And Pete and I are very honest with our with our guests. We'll say the ones we're going to listen back to. And, um, you know, we've been doing this now for, you know, three years. We've got 30 to catch up to how green. I'm not too sure if we can do it, uh, if we can do a cactus sort of three decades plus on what we're doing at the moment, Pete. But I will definitely re revisit this interview for all the gems that you've given us, both polished and slightly there for us to polish in our own way. But I think your ability to give us that gift is something to be absolutely admired. And, um, you know, I, I'm, I'm, I'm flagging it early, Robin. We, we all want to have you back. And, um, you know, we just don't know if we can afford to not have you back, not worrying about anything other than that, which I think is important. But being an irresistible invitation to participate in life was the note I took. Uh, what a wonderful value proposition that is, Pete. I don't know about you, but I uh, I knew why we wanted Robin. I think it's just been reinforced a thousand percent why uh, with this interview today. I'm going to leave you to thank our guests, wrap up and uh, and let people know how they can get in touch with robinmore.com.au. That's R-O-B-Y-N. 
m-o-o-r-e.com.au, but we'll have, of course, the link at the um, uh, with this particular show notes to help you find Robin. But, Peter, I'll leave you to um, to maybe give a, a capsulation of that last hour of power. Oh, well, where, where do you start? There were so many messages, and you're so right, Rick. I think this is one that it's not just listened to once, it's listened to on multiple occasions. And um, the integrity comment of being whole and complete, nothing uh, left unsaid. I've got to tell you, there were so many aha moments in this talk today, Robin, and I'll finish by saying this. You just said that, you know, there should be more people and we should there were more people in the world like hell. I've got to tell you that I just wish there were more people in the world like Robin Moore. You are amazing. Like to listen, every little thing you said, I, I just can't help but want to be a better father, a better husband, uh, a better brother, a better son, um, a better friend, um, a better leader of people after hearing your stories and, and, and your views uh, and look on life. It's, it's inspirational, it's enlightening, and it's a, it's a wonderful reminder of, um, of the importance of finding our bliss. So mm-hmm. thank you, Robin. This was absolute bliss today. We appreciate <laughs> you greatly. And it was for me too. Thank you very, very much. Folks, if this has been a very interview for you please like it share it uh, circulate it with your friends and family you know what to do next this is one that the whole world should be hearing and uh, if you love and care for your team if you love and care for your family if you love and care for your friends make sure they are connected to Robin Moore through this interview and uh, direct to our website as I say and you know clearly if you're an executive leader out there looking for someone who could add real value to your next gathering conference she can zoom in she can fly in she is Lady Robin Moore to us. We're not too sure what she is once she leaves Tasmania. I think the uh, the actual that title we might have just given her that title, Pete. I don't know how official <laughs> that is. It felt, <laughs> it felt like to me. It, it was like ours. It was our title. It's ours. Okay. Well, uh, Robin, as you are now with us, we dub the Lady Robin Moore of the Apple Isle. Uh, always. Always welcome, always loved, always wanted by the Voices of Value community. We appreciate you. Thank you so much for the gift of your time. Most importantly, for your absolute ability to, uh, you know, entice us to be better versions of ourselves. Because as Peter said, um, you know, I'm, wake, I'm waking up every day trying to find a better version of me. God, I've got to tell you, when you hear your voice and you hear your philosophy, uh, you know, improved by hell, no doubt. And there's no doubt in my mind, I'm a, it's, a, it's a game I can win with that sort of setup. So, folks, we've been blessed. We've been thrilled. Uh, please make sure you like, share, comment, and uh, send us any feedback. We'll get it to Robin for sure. On behalf of my good friend, Peter Kakos, this is Rick Rushton saying thank you to our wonderful, talented Robin Moore guest. And we look forward to our next our connection on Voices of Value. We trust you enjoyed this episode of Voices of Value, a shared conversation between Rick Rushton and Peter Kakos and their valued guests. Their views are not necessarily those of the wider world, but they should be. You can subscribe through your favorite podcast provider to ensure you never miss an episode. And as always, we welcome your feedback, ratings and reviews of the content we provide. Additional information can be sourced from our website, VoicesOfValuePodcast.com. We look forward to you joining the conversation again next week when Rick and Peter continue the search for truth, justice, and the value-added way.